Um, setting up your new hire onboarding for scale so that you can hit your retention and revenue goals two to four X faster. I'm going to drop to comments and get some water and just see how you guys are doing. Miguel, need people to be more legit and self-starters with the level of training and onboarding I'm providing. Yep, good point. Ryan will explain the group interview presentation and with the right pitch, those that are not a fit for the model will disqualify themselves. Okay, so we went through some of that. Um, let's go to the, the next thing. Number two, setting up your new hire onboarding for scale so that you can hit your retention and revenue goals two to four X more quickly. <clears throat> so building systems for the, the average Joe, okay? Um, Miguel, to kind of go back to a quick comment, unless I misunderstood it, I just briefly went over it. Um, part of it is the onboarding systems, right? So, you know, I, I don't know your opportunity, but let's pretend I have an opportunity where reps can't make money for 30 days, right? It's all commission. People are self-generating and closing their own deals. The reality is, is most people are not going to work out in that type of environment, okay? And so there is some type of aspect of, 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 of volume when you're talking about recruiting into a commission-based sales opportunity, unless you offer like, you know, maybe training pay or you offer leads and you're limited on the amount of people that you can hire because of the cash investment into the position. And that type of role, you're limited to low numbers of hires. But let's pretend, you know, because of our type of opportunity and the budget that goes into the comp plan on the front end as a rep ramps up, I'm not limited in, in the amount of people that I can onboard. Well, part of it is I want to get better at recruiting, right? But the, the truth is, is part of the, the hiring process, it is subjective. And so part of it is just not understanding who's going to work out until they're freaking putting in the work, right? Until they show up, they go through the training, they knock the doors, they make the calls, they close the deals, whatever it is. You don't know at times uh, if they're going to make it or not until they kind of put in the work. And that's why, you know, depending on the opportunity, not all our clients need to recruit volume, but uh, sometimes because of the nature of the type of opportunity, you need to increase the volume, right? Increase the candidate leads coming through the recruiting process, get in, get, get in front of uh, more and better uh, candidates, get better at the persuasion aspect of recruiting, right? And do that at scale. And then also let the non-performers cycle out quickly so they're out of sight, out of mind. And training and everything, Miguel, needs to be set up to be able to allow for that, that, that onboarding at scale. Um, but going back to this, we're talking about kind of high-level onboarding structure. Okay, so building systems for the average job. Now, all of us, including me, and then all of you, perfect picture. What we want is we want people like us on our sales team. Most of us on this call are probably top 10 percenters. Maybe you're a recruiter or an admin or something like that. And one of the owners have you join this call, but the, you know, the, the, all of us want top performers. That's, that's obvious. But the reality is, is 90% on planet, 90%, 95, you know, 95% uh, of the people on planet earth, they're not like us, right? So we just got to be aware of that. We got to be aware that most people, 90% of people, they're not top 10 percenters. So maybe we got to adjust how we think about building our organization and build it for the, you know, the, maybe the average salesperson that will at least show up with a good attitude and do the work. So let's say as an example, you know, I'm kind of a middle of the road guy. I'm not like a, you know, really, you know, I'm not the guy that's going to go work 60, 80 hour, 80 hour work weeks, but I'll show up for 40 hours and I'll do the activities. But my natural ability is not, you know, a top five, top 10 percenter kind of salesperson, but I'm the type of person that will show up with a good attitude and do the work. Your job, my job, is to take people like that and to provide an experience for them as they come on board to have the opportunity for success. So when they do show up with a good attitude, they do the work. Our processes are set up so that 
Once they do the work, it predictably turns into appointments or closes or sales or whatever the nature of your sales position is. But my general point is, is you want to be aware that most people are not like us. We want to think about what does it look like to build systems for the average show and just know that there's attrition in sales programs. That's the reality of it. Um, you know, if you can't, you know, if, if your opportunity, uh, you know, is uh, an opportunity where reps can't make money for six months or something, well, you're probably going to have to recruit 10 people to get one person to make it. On the other, you know, uh, totally other side, if you, you know, have salaries and leads and your manager and your training and your operations and everything's perfect, maybe on the high side, you're retaining 50%, right? Um, uh, and so, you know, there's always attrition in a sales program, okay? We typically help companies that ha have higher attrition type programs because they're the commission-based uh, commission opportunities that are, you know, maybe not as uh, easy, easy to ramp up into, right? There's no training pay. There's no base. There's no leads. It's all dependent on the rep. Now, we do have like 20 to 25% of our clients that have that kind of stuff. They have the small base. They have the training pay. They have the leads. But 75-ish percent of them are all commission opportunities where you got to recruit, you know, three, four, sometimes five people to get one person to stick, sometimes more. And so the goal is, is to set up systems internally to allow for that so that it's not a headache, so that it's similar to onboarding like one to two people, if that makes sense. But it's good for you to know that all sales programs have attrition. You want to think about, or I think it's good to think about this 10, 30, 60 rule. Okay. So this is 10, 30, 60. We got the top 10%, the middle 30%, and the bottom 60%. These are averages based on what we see. These are not like the, you know, uh, the exact numbers for necessarily your opportunity. But you can, you can think about the framework in this way. And so what I mean is you got the top 10 percenters. Those are the type of people that have the figure it out factor. They'll do whatever it takes to succeed. You want those kind of people, obviously. When you get those people, by the way, you better have a, you know, a leadership onboarding and training and you know, culture experience that gets them to want to stick with you long term. Right, which is another topic. But what we're talking about is, hey, we got the top 10%, the middle 30%, and the bottom 60%. The bottom 60%, they just kind of naturally cycle out of the sales team. And if you set up expectations at the end of the hiring process correctly, you can do that cycling out quickly. So when the person doesn't show up for their first team meeting and you set expectations that, hey, you know, this is what we expect, it's like out of sight, out of mind. Okay, but the 10-30-60 rule, the average Joe or average Jane is that middle 30%, okay? We wanna think about that average person, that person that you know wants the income opportunity that we have, that'll show up with you know a, a good attitude, that will follow our leadership, our instruction, and do the activities necessary success, and we better have systems that are designed for them to uh, eliminate as much pain as possible, like sales operations pain, so that our processes predictably turn into success if they do the work, okay? So the goal is to get systems dialed to allow for that 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 average Joe, that's not the top five, top ten percenter, to have uh, have success. Uh, have success. The um. So it, it's good to kind of start thinking in terms of that way and thinking about okay, so I'm not just looking for quote unquote the perfect person that just knows how to perfectly sell what we offer. No, I need to get good at recruiting and onboarding at scale, um, while setting up systems for the average person. So my systems are designed for the average average person to have success versus having my whole process dependent on only top 10 percenters that have that, have that figured out factor. If that's my goal, then it's going to be really difficult for me to scale up my sales team. 
right? The top 10 percenters, they want to work with the top 10 percent of companies too. That's an important note. Okay. You will get, you know, you will get those people through this process because of the nature of the volume, but it's important to, to kind of note that. Now the 10-30-60 rule, another reason that it's good for you to understand this is let's say that over time you realize that your retention rates are 30%, okay? Uh, 30%. So every 10 people that you, you, you sign up, three people stick. Well, if you realize that your goals, your minimum goals right now are to add three sales reps, okay, to your organization, it's good for you to understand that, hey, I need to recruit 10 as quickly as I can to get to the three number as quickly as I can. And it's good for you to have that proper expectation because if you do not have that expectation, you're going to get burnt out as a business owner and a sales leader. As an example, let's say I'm a busy solo business owner and I want to scale up my sales team. I have this really amazing product. I'm a good salesperson, right? I'm ready to take that, that, that step up in my business and start building a sales department so we can scale up revenues. And I start to go through the recruiting process and I onboard one person and I stick with them for 30 days. They're, they just kind of, you know, they're not showing up, they're sucking and right. And I go through that whole process and they don't work out and I've wasted a lot of time. Well, that's really painful. Okay. And let's say I'm trying to get three reps and then I go through that, that process three times and those three reps do not work out. Well, my assumptions as the leader in most situations that we see are, Hey, I either don't know what I'm doing or there's no good people out there. There's nobody that wants to put in the work, whatever the excuse is. Okay. And then I get burnt out and I go, I'm just going to freaking sell and be a small business forever. Uh, because obviously this recruiting thing doesn't work out. Nobody wants to do what we do, which is totally false. You just got to get better at recruiting. Uh, and the quicker that you can increase the volume of recruits, the quicker that you'll get to your retention rates and your revenue goals. But my general point is, is if you don't understand that it's not an easy thing, that there is attrition. If you, if you don't start to understand your numbers from a retention and attrition perspective, you're going to have the wrong expectations going into the, the recruiting process and you're going to be discouraged. You're going to get burnt out. It's, it's good to understand that. Uh, we'll move on here in a second, but ideally you're setting up systems to onboard two plus reps at once. You don't have to. You can't onboard one rep at once, but if you have a process to onboard two plus reps at once, that means you're getting closer to retaining somebody which means I'm getting closer to uh, uh, increasing my revenue goals, okay? So whether you, you're onboarding two people at once or 20 people at once, right? You wanna think about what does it look like to accomplish that at scale without me hurting my, my time investment into these people um, so that I can get to my retention goals more quickly. And what happens, like I said earlier, if you set up expectations at the beginning correctly, the people that are not going to be a fit, you know that really quickly and you just let them cycle out, right? So the non-performers, the people that maybe don't do the work, that maybe don't show up in the, in, you know, in the way that, the, that you want their attitude to be, that are not aligning with your values, you cycle them out quickly and you're only focused on the people that are showing up and doing the work, right? Which is what you want to do anyways. You want to focus on those people. So let's go over a couple of high-level processes to implement, okay? Okay. Um, when I talk about expectations earlier, we have something called an expectation agreement, okay? So this is at the end of the final interview. We have an eight-step final interview process and an eight-step uh, 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 group process and eight-step final interview process as well. In the eighth step of the final interview, it's about setting clear expectations, which you also recap in day one of orientation as well. The expectation agreement, let's pretend Brandon, my, v, my VP and partner who's on here, Let's say I'm interviewing him. He's gone through the group interview. He's gone through the final interview and he's ready to rock and roll. And I know that 
and we're about to have him start on Monday or in two Mondays or whenever the next onboarding class is. Well, what I want to do is I want to set clear expectations with this, with this expectation agreement. Now, for an online type of opportunity, if you're a remote company, maybe this is in an online environment. Maybe it's implemented into your agreements that reps are signing for W-2 or 1099. If you're in an office environment, maybe it's a one-page doc. Those are typically the process for, processes for the ex expectation agreement. But let's pretend Brandon is ready to rock and roll. And I know I'm going to get him into Monday uh, Monday onboarding. It's Okay, Brandon, so excited for you to start on Monday. I know you're going to freaking crush it here uh, and more. What I, One thing I want to do before we get um, rolling is I want to set really clear expectations. There's some things that we've communicated both in the group presentation and in your one-on-one -on -one, uh, meeting today. Um, and I have those listed in a document. And I just want you to read over those. And pretty much what you're saying is, hey, Ryan, you can hold me accountable to these bare minimum responsibilities. And Brandon, what this means for us is we know that, hey, you're committed to doing the bare minimums, which is just simply going to guarantee your success. And obviously, you're going to start working with us because you want a certain amount of success. Like we talked about A, B, and C. Okay. So I have these things that are like things like doing ABC calls per day or showing up to the meetings on time or having a good attitude or following the sales scripts and processes or, you know, following the success blueprint to get, get up into quota, which we'll talk about here in a second too. Right. So what we're doing at the end of the final interview is we're doing this expectation agreement. We're setting really clear expectations on what we expect for them to be a part of the sales culture. And they're saying, yes, you can hold me accountable to these things. And it starts off the management process much better. So when the person doesn't show up for their meeting or whatever it is, you get to have a conversation with them that's not micromanaging, right? Because they've already said, hey, Ryan, you can hold me accountable to these things. And what that does is it allows you to be clear at the beginning, and if they have not followed the instruction, you can cite them out. And it's not a surprise because they knew it was coming already. And so then we onboard at scale. And when they're not meeting the minimums, whatever that is for you, you cycle them out so they're out of sight, out of mind. And I'm only focused on the top 10 percenters or the average Joes that are showing up with a good attitude and doing the work. Okay? So first thing is an expectation agreement. That can kind of start out the onboarding process, management process in a much better way uh, for you. If you plan to do that in the future or if you've done uh, any type of recruiting or onboarding in the past. Um, and as a side note too, um, you know, 50 to 75% of the clients that we serve, smaller businesses, a lot of these things, they can start to feel overwhelming because it's so much, but that's just a part of the game. You got to understand, hey, do I really want to build a sales team, a commission-based sales team? If I do, I got to start thinking about implementing these things so I can actually get the end result, which is retention and sales production. But the next thing is, is uh, implementing a new hire blueprint and checklist, okay? So this will start to help you understand uh, what needs to happen for a new hire to ramp up into quota or the bare minimum income that you're pitching. Let's pretend in the group interview, in the final interview, you're pitching a thousand bucks a week, right? Which is, you know, minimum, which is 52K per year. Or you're pitching an average couple grand per week in income, which is 104K or whatever. Um, and or you're pitching qu uh, quota as a bare minimum and quota means uh, 65K plus per year with the, you can make up the 150. Whatever the numbers are, you want to think about that average Joe. Okay. And we're talking about this, a new hire blueprint and checklist. You can call it the success blueprint. You can call it whatever you want. But what we want to do is we want to think about, okay, if I hire the average Joe and they show up with a good attitude and they do the work and they plug into the system that I'm leading them through, for our opportunity, what does it look like for them to ramp up into the position and to get to that place where 
uh, they want to get to, which is that minimum $1,000 per week income or $2,000 per week income or 12K per month income, whatever. What does it look like conservatively from a timeline standpoint for them to ramp up into uh, uh, that opportunity? Okay, let's say, uh, you know, and by the way, it could be really short, it could be a couple weeks, maybe it's a, an entry level appointment setting position, or maybe you have a really long uh, B2B sales cycle and you know it takes up to six months, hypothetically, you know, to, to ramp up, right? So the nature of your sales opportunity and your sales cycle, those will influence how long the ramp up is. But you want to think about what does it look like for the average Joe to ramp up into this position? For the sake of illustration, let's pretend that for us, it's 60 days, okay? Or 30 days, right? 30 days in, in, in four weeks. And I know, hey, by the end of four weeks, hypothetically, reps should be on track to do A, B, and C, and they're making at least 1000 bucks plus per week. But the answer for me in this example, let's say it's 30 days or four weeks. And I'm starting to think through this blueprint. What I want to do is I want to think about, okay, for the average Joe, it takes them four weeks or 30 days to ramp up. And from there, they're humming at quota plus. I want to go, what does it look like you know, from day one to the end of their fourth week or day 30? I want to reverse engineer what that looks like. Okay, they got to show up to training. Uh, they got to do A, B, and C. They got to produce their first five appointments in, in week one. Uh, uh, they're probably not closing any deals. In week two, they got to produce their first 10 appointments, which means they're going to have four probably sit-down you know, proposals. Uh, they are not closing still. And then by week three, they're doing right? So you want to reverse engineer whatever it looks like for you for them to get to that point to the ramp-up phase, whether you call it quota or the bare minimum income or whatever. And you, re re you reverse engineer all the activities. And this starts to give you clarity and also really important clarity for the new hire so they know exactly what they need to do daily to ramp up. It gives you clarity to start thinking through exactly what you need to lead people through so that they get to that ramp up phase in the timeline that you've communicated. Okay. And so that the, the new hire blueprint slash checklist or whatever you want to call it is just a roadmap to success within the organization. It's a high level roadmap of the sales activities and what those sales activities lead into from a production perspective and how that production perspective or how that production turns into some type of income. In the example that I just gave, you know, before it's, hey, yeah, make, making money for maybe 30 days. But at the end of 30 days, we know that objectively, if you follow our process, it's going to result into you starting to make a thousand plus dollars per week in week five. And you're just, you know, scaling from there. Okay. So I'm getting clarity on what it looks like from an activity perspective to ramp up into the role. And what this also allows me to do is it, it gives me an understanding of, okay, based on what they need to accomplish in that those first 30 days or whatever your time is, what initial training needs to be done, okay? And that's typically in the first few days, if it's more entry level, or the first one to two weeks, if it's a little bit more senior level. But this starts to help me understand how I need to map out the initial training around our products and services, our customer profiles, our sales processes, all that kind of stuff. So I can get them to the point where they can actually get to the end of the blueprint if they're showing up and doing the work, right? So we, we set expectations, we create our blueprint, we provide, we provide clarity for the candidate on what they need to do from an activity perspective. And then we fill the beginning of, of, of their onboarding phase with uh, you know, high level training. So they have the information and the skill sets necessary to uh, see success when they're doing the actual activities. And in terms of the blueprint or the checklist, it's kind of like one thing. What the leader's doing is with the rep, they're, they're checking off everything. You know, day one, Monday, uh, you got to do this, 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 and this. 
and accomplish A, B, and C from an activity perspective. There's the seven things. We need to check these things off to ensure you're on track with the success blueprint. So by the end of 30 days, you've actually got to the thousand bucks per week or whatever it is. And so this blueprint provides a lot of clarity, helps you to start understanding what you need to do at the initial training phases. And then you just checklist all that stuff. Um, and if the leader, whether you're the CEO or the VP or the sales manager or whatever it is, your job is to provide the, the training, but also to support them and lead them through that checklist. So by the time they get through the end of the 30 days or whatever the timeline is, they're making the money and happy with you, happy with the company. And then it's smooth sailing from there. Okay. And although there's a lot of, a lot of detail in the onboarding and sales training process, I'm hoping that this will start to give you some solid ideas on what you need to do to improve the new hire experience and honestly make your life much easier. Uh, and what we uh, this what this is starting to do too is is we're putting the rep you know into a better vehicle, right? There's that example of you know the NASCAR driver, and you know he's the best driver in the world, right? But if you put him in a crappy car and he's you know doing the Indy 500 or whatever the car races are called. He's not going to win, even though he's a freaking top 1% champion. It's because of the vehicle. And so when we talk about the management, the onboarding, the training processes, this is the good vehicle that when you get the average or ideally top driver, they can actually see success and win. That's what we're talking about. 